0: I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. Welcome to my podcast where I invite you to join me each week as I shine a light on some of the very best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offer advice to those that want to make in the UK. But before we get on to today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about an event that I've got coming up. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers and British-made brands from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. We've got over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones on this podcast and it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. Registration is now open and if you go to mib.live forward slash podcastvip. I've got a special something for you when you register. I hope to see you there. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Make It British podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking to Lance Mitchell, who is a weaver at a company called Mitchell Interflex, which, as the name suggests, is Lance's family business. It's been going for decades and weaving all sorts of different materials. As Lance says, if you've got a loom, you can weave anything. The company used to be known for weaving striped fabrics for things like deck chairs and push chairs. But now... He's, he's he's wove, yes. I think wove is the past tense of weave that Lance uses. Um, now, there's no limit to what he has wove over the last few years. That doesn't quite sound right, does it? But I think that's what he says. we will have to listen to the interview to find out what the past tense of weave is because Lance certainly knows what he's talking about. He's the first weaver I've actually had on the show and I'm delighted to introduce him in this episode. So here you go. Hello, Lance. Thank you very much for joining me today for the Make It British podcast.
1: Thank you for asking me, Kate.
0: You are the first weaver on my podcast. I'm now at episode 50-something, and you're the first weaver that's put their hand up and said, yes, I'm happy for you to interview me. What, I'm have not. I frightened everyone else off?
1: Well, not, so you're t- saying not just the interviews you've done today, but in all your podcasts, I'm the first weaver.
0: You are indeed, and yet we have a lot of weavers at our event, at our trade show, but um, you're the only one that's stepped up to uh, to put yourself forward to be interviewed, Nobody which else is brilliant.
1: They put their head above the parapet.
0: <laughs> no, they haven't. So you're speaking for your entire industry.
1: Oh my word! <laughs> <laughs> so
0: do you want to start by telling everyone um, about Mitchell Interflex and what you do and how long the business has been going?
1: Uh, certainly, um, Mitchell Interflex. We've been going since 1907. Um, we're a small weaving company based on the Lancashire-Yorkshire border Um, we're based in a mill that's a lot older than that actually the mill dates back to about 1786 uh, and it's very um,
0: picturesque too because I've been to your mill and it's really a very beautiful setting
1: we are in the middle of the countryside yes we are Um, and we've another site as well another factory where we do raising and emorising and cropping Um, but the. Core business, I suppose, is still is still weaving. We weave um, on Arapia looms. We're not we're not jacquard weavers. We're dobby weavers, um, and we weave a multitude of fabrics, um, from fabrics that go into composites through to furnishing fabrics, and and some colour woven work. As you know, that we uh, that's when I I spoke at, at Make It British. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some work for well we we weave for Wallace Sewell and do their woven work um so we're very we're very diverse in what we weave effectively i would say we've got looms and we can make cloth
0: brilliant so your um yeah your customer base is quite diverse isn't it in that respect which i think a lot of the uk weavers are now i, I Doing think it's more, more variety more and
1: more the trend the, the, the weaver who's got looms traditionally you know yorkshire worsteds and lancashire cottons um those days are gradually getting eroded we've we've got to make a product that somebody wants um cheap cottons you can still import um we've got to weave the more specialized fabric
0: and also not just cotton now then because you've diversified because you weave other materials for well it's seal, don't you
1: we're weaving a ridiculous amount of, of raw materials. Really, everything from high tenacity nylons, nylons and polyesters that will go into filtration or substrates for composites. We weave some some aramids um, for safety wear and things. We weave. We still weave cottons. We still weave wools. Um, interlining fabrics, filtration fabrics, monofilament, uh, high density polyethylene filtration fabric so we've just got a wide range of raw materials that we use
0: and do you think that's been one of the secrets of your success so where other textile manufacturers over the last few decades have fallen by the wayside and mitch of interfex is still going strong would you attribute Um, your diversity as one of the reasons why
1: it, it certainly helped i mean as we've seen some of our traditional businesses um, disappear for whatever reason um, we've had to be fleet of foot and constantly looking for new things to do um Some of our traditional businesses we in you know in the thirties forties fifties we will we, we would have woven um a lot of haircloth um, traditional canvases for suits, modern suits of course are glued together not not always sewn together um so that trade we still do some traditional hair cloth, blends of camel and goat and and wool, um, but very small quantities now. Um, Ah, So is that where
0: the Interflex name comes from, from the interlinings?
1: Partly, yes, from from weaving interlining fabrics. Um, And we used to weave a lot of, um, one of our core trades in the 80s and the 90s was tie interlining. So if you went and bought a tie in any of the UK stores from Marks and Spencer through to Next, then the odds are that we would have made the tie interlining. Of course, all that went offshore. And, of course, who wears ties anymore?
0: I think you do. I'm sure last time I saw you, you might have been wearing a tie.
1: <laughs> not, as, not as much as we used to do, I have to
0: say. No, that is um, that is very true. But you, you're, you are still making some tie interlinings, aren't you? I'm sure when I came to visit you, you had some.
1: Too. We still make a few, and for the very top end, that, that go out to a, a customer that we've got in France, that we've woven their interlinings for the last thirty odd years, I suppose. Brilliant. In fact, we we also cut their tie shapes uh, on a on a CNC cutting machine because, or oh, six or seven years ago, maybe longer, they came along and said they didn't want to buy the rolls of cloth anymore; they want to buy the cut shapes. So we ended up cutting fabrics as well. Um, and I guess that's symptomatic of you can't just say this is what we do we weave you've always got to be looking at where the next opportunity is.
0: Yeah, so where is the next opportunity then and and how how you know in the last few years as textile manufacturing has been on the increase again, you know has what have been the new opportunities over the last few
1: years We're, we're certainly doing a little bit more for um apparel than we've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, as we look into those markets, we're looking at Mitchell Interflex as you, and, and County Brook Mill, because that's the name of our mill, are exhibiting with you because we're doing, we're going into some more colour woven work on on furnishings. And we're looking at that as an opportunity to move into. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm always at pains to point out, not, not Mitchell Interflex necessarily, but our Um, our textile industry is still huge and diverse and you know you know I'm I'm involved in this um, weaving conference that we organize um, every other year
0: I love your weaving conference it's always fascinating um, all the topics you cover at it and also how much it's grown in the last uh, six years since I've been going to it well you do every other year don't you
1: Every other year, because we are a bunch of a bunch of amateurs, we're not professionals like yourself <laughs> in organising things. We are we are literally um, a few weaving companies and the machinery manufacturers. So a small committee that still believes there's a reason to get uh, as many weaving companies as many weavers in the country together as we can, and that's ebbed and Flows. It's an organisation that's been going for the last thirty or forty years. Um, we've seen it we're where we've struggled to get people to come and you know numbers were down at you know 50 to 60 and we were just wondering whether to bother continuing or not but the last conference in october we'd well over 200 and weaving companies from all over the uk um and it was good to see
0: yeah and women weavers i sat on a table obviously i'm not i'm an honorary weaver <clears throat> as in <laughs> i like to attend weaving events and i sat on a table of all women weavers which was brilliant and unheard of wasn't it at that event
1: it has been very male dominated yes it has but it's great to see um and and you know all those weaving companies are involved in every conceivable conceivable trade you can imagine from you know airbags to to carbon fiber to composite there's every every um every industry represented there
0: yeah, and I think that's what is really interesting about the UK textile industry now, which people don't necessarily realise. We produce £9 million worth of textiles in the UK every year now, and that does include all of these different areas. It even includes artificial grass, and that's woven, apparently, and all of these yeah, different yeah, technical the, textiles. there's a couple of
1: companies doing that as one, yeah. one of the companies in the, another organisation, the Lancashire Textile Manufacturers, has a... How a lee spinners make um you know make artificial turf
0: yeah exactly so people don't realize quite the diversity and they think textiles and that it just means apparel or fashion or homeware
1: and i think that's probably symptomatic that we as an industry have not been very good at marketing ourselves and and selling ourselves you know the planes wouldn't fly and cars wouldn't drive and uh, as they when they close that roof at wimbledon you know that's a textile product is a, it really formula, i never knew that and when a formula 1 car drives around that track its that monocoque is a textile product it's carbon mm. fiber and the clue's in the name you know there are companies in this in this country that are making those products that are weaving carbon fiber
0: so how can manufacturers get better at marketing themselves apart from obviously being on the make it british
1: podcast <laughs> <laughs> going to make it British um, and, and some of those industries that we're talking about Still won't go to make it British Because an airbag weaver isn't going to sell any more airbags Through, through your forum yeah. um, How do we get better at selling ourselves As an We're just industry, getting the
0: word out there about the industry I mean that's obviously always been my aim At make it British to get the word out but I think you you know hit the nail on the head. there are some there are still some weavers, manufacturers who surprise me when they pop up because I never knew they existed. And I kind of figured I knew everyone in the UK textile industry. So, oh my gosh, I never knew. And they were, we've been quietly getting on with what we've been doing for the last 30 years and we've got these two customers. so we didn't need to go out and market ourselves.
1: I think that's it. And uh, you know there are some there are the weavers out there that are still thriving. Um, and they're they're you know they're not small, as I say, and they're selling into very technical marketplaces. There's a yeah. show coming up in Frankfurt, um, Tech Textile, and there will be British manufacturers, British weavers, exhibiting at Tech Textile, selling highly technical products into filtration or geotextiles or substrates for composites, um, parachutes, fabrics. You know ev- everything is there.
0: But we have to go to Frankfurt for that sort of thing yeah it's, it's you that, I'm that's sure
1: very, that's that's a very technical textile show and it's a, yeah. a global show is that one
0: yeah i just think it, it, the the you're right the uk textile industry is not very good at shouting about itself everyone's quietly getting on and doing their thing doing their thing really well
1: it's but trying not to so good that <laughs> from from dark satanic mills yes and 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 they're not you i mean you've been around lots of mills now kate okay? they're not like that anymore in any shape or form the technology is um it's today's technology they're all computer controlled some of these mills you'll you can go in and eat off the floor you know they're weaving on uh, water jets and air jets um and all our and our industry is incredibly modern um, it is
0: yeah definitely
1: and, and, and with a lot team,
0: more to come i think a lot more automation and technology because the investment has but it's been good over the last few years, but before that, it was slower. And you can I see now that people business, are investing.
1: I think the businesses that are left uh, are certainly ones that have invested um, yeah. and invested in new equipment and modern and equipment. The problem with, with weaving is that um, it's capital intensive. Every piece of equipment is a big ticket item. It's not easy to enter the, the, the game of weaving.
0: Yeah, and that's when you also get bottlenecks with things like finishing and dyeing because it's so expensive to set up a new finishing plant. I mean, that there's so few finishers left, especially in cotton, isn't there?
1: There are there are one or two specialised ones left, but you're right. Um, it's not an industry that there are new entrants to market. There aren't new players coming into the finishing market or, or really into the weaving market. There's There's one or two that have started up, but not that many.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of little um, sort of smaller boutique bespoke. I mean, you've got Daniel Harris at the London at London Cloth. Um, um has he spoken at your weaving conference yet?
1: Um, no, I think you need he to. He last time. He's not. He's not spoken. No, uh, he's
0: got a couple of old looms, Hattersley looms, which he's literally pieced together himself from spare parts. But he's making you know cloth which he's selling to top designer names. That's right. So. But um, there's very few people doing that because he's kind of mad. <laughs> but and, I'd love to see more end, of that happening.
1: But at the other end of the spectrum, you know, to go and buy a, a modern weaving machine um, that's not an antique, you're looking at upwards of, upward of, you know, £100,000, £150,000 to buy one weaving machine.
0: Mm, yeah. So where do you see the UK textile industry going over the next five to ten years?
1: I, I think there's still a future. Um, we wouldn't still be doing it if we didn't think there was a future. Um, everybody still needs textile. Um, and, and we're very small. Mitchell Interflex are very small. Um, we just need a, a very small portion of it to keep ourselves busy and, and to keep going. Um, textiles, will there will still be some traditional textiles, Um but there are new products and new fibers being invented and developed all the time. Very difficult for us to, to get into those. Um, is,
0: why is that? Is that because you don't necessarily have the machinery or the money to invest in the machinery to weave with the new textiles that are being developed?
1: We could probably do it, but as new fibers are developed. We won't be the first ones to get shown them. Right. So that, you know, the fiber developers are the, the, the big players. Um, It it won't trickle down to us for a while, Um, but there are still opportunities out there, and textiles are still required, and it's a huge market in the world, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's yeah, it's nine billion in the UK alone, but worldwide. So, how much of your cloth that you weave do you export?
1: Um, It's varied over the years. Probably we're we're looking at about twenty-five, thirty percent now, maybe a little bit less than that.
0: So, has it grown? more recently
1: um no we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't really extend ex- expanded our our export market at this moment in so time. it's
0: interest from the uk for your products that's where it was where the demand's coming from
1: pretty much yeah Brilliant. on on the on the technical side and things yes
0: so brexit if it happens at the time of recording <laughs> no one knew what was going on um, but if you're listening in the future Oh, you have a magic ball, but um, so it shouldn't necessarily affect you as much if you're supplying the UK or a lot of your raw materials imported.
1: Uh, raw material comes in offshore. Um, mm. m- most of the raw material comes in offshore. Um, Brexit, I haven't a clue, Kate. <laughs> no I, one does, oh, do they? <laughs> and, and I don't think anybody does. I think, I think, uh, you know, I think we should still be positive. Um, whatever happens, we will still, we, we, you know, some of our spinners that have been to see us of late and all they want to do is talk about, and they're European spinners, all they want to do is talk about Brexit and they say, well, what do you think? And we all agree at the end of it, we will still want to trade. They will still want to sell us raw material. We will still want to sell cloth. Um, I think despite any obstacles that the ob- politicians want to put in the way, the world, will, the world will continue to trade and we will continue to trade. Yeah. We, we've been through these things before haven't we so maybe not quite like this but um,
0: (laughs) yeah and that's actually the 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 philosophical outlook that a lot of the people that i've been interviewing for this broadcast a lot of manufacturers i've spoken to have said actually
1: um and and maybe the whole brexit thing has focused focused the uk back on looking at uk product again
0: yeah that certainly does seem to be the case i mean i'm um, you know, all the, nearly all, without exception of the manufacturers that I'm speaking to at the moment, are busier than they were two or three years ago. And, uh, and that has always been the so, aim.
1: And I get the impression from, you know, reading the, the, the papers and listening to the news that actually the economy is not doing too badly. And on the other side of it, you know, you, you read other articles that say that the euro could be in trouble. And, you know, who, who knows where it's who
0: knows who knows <laughs> we'll,
1: still, we'll still be here Kate and we'll still be you know we'll still be making cloth of, of that I'm, I'm reasonably certain So that, are... might, that might yeah. have changed it might
0: it? oh <laughs> well, I was about to ask you as well what are the challenges for you then at the moment how do you find getting staff into your business it's a family business isn't it
1: so have it's you a, got any members of your works, family works, coming
0: into? So is there any, are there any younger members of your family? Not that I'm saying you're not young, Lance, but are there any <laughs> junior no. members of your family coming into any of your children?
1: There's a fifth generation working in the office now. Brilliant. Um, but, but whether they are destined to continue the business or, or go off and find other things to do is, is yet to be seen. Or whether uh, you let
0: them out of the office. <laughs> is that where you start Honestly, when you come and work in the mill? You start in the office, do you, and then you work well, you, your way onto. You, you give them loops. a job, and then
1: they find it difficult to leave, don't they? I think that's uh, that's not quite what happened to me, but uh, um, the, my my daughter's too young to make a decision as to whether she she continues in the business or not. Um, but so what did happen to, to you? Our trade is difficult. Yeah and And part of it is the you know still the the perception of dark satanic mills, and particularly I think in the in the lancashire Yorkshire traditional areas the there are parents and grandparents that have worked in the industry that you know if their children say they're going to work in textiles, there will just be an intake of air over the gums and ooh, I'm not sure you want to be doing that because yeah. The perception is wrong
0: Yeah, that is true And I keep saying to everyone There needs to be some sort of show on the television That, that shows what it's really like Working in a modern factory or mill That, you know, shows textiles in a light That does make people realise You know, it's there's... The skill in and craftsmanship in making things. The problem is, all the youngsters want to do is they watch all this stuff on the telly, that they want to, you know, be on Love Island or be an Instagram influencer, and, 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 you know, <laughs> and don't jobs, want to go into a just, job making things.
1: Correct. Uh, or they, you know, they'd, they'd rather go and flip burgers somewhere than uh, than go and go and make a piece of fabric. And that's that's still a difficulty um, persuading people that there is a future and and come and work in textiles.
0: Mm. But then those people that I know that do end up going to work in textiles actually really enjoy it. I mean, I've interviewed and spoken to quite a lot of young people in mills and they're like, yeah, this is brilliant. All my mates are working in shops and actually this is really dull. So once they've tried it, I mean, you were saying about how How did you get into the family business? Did you originally think, oh, no, I'm not going to go and work in the mill, I'm going to do something different, and then find yourself kind of sucked back into it?
1: Exactly that. I, w- I wasn't... Um... I wasn't destined to go and um, and go back to the family business and and take on a take on a weaving mill. Um, what did you do I, instead? I joined the army.
0: Oh, did you? Right, I, I okay. You run decided. away. I,
1: I ran away. I went and I did a degree in mechanical engineering, and then I'd already decided at that point I was joining the army, and I I commissioned into the Royal Signals.
0: Gosh so you did that until you were what in your mid 30s or something
1: No and no, no, not that long I, I I if you blinked you missed my army career really I did I did a four four years um in the army I did uh went and did Gulf War 1 in the in the early 90s Did you really um, And then just at that point my father came along and said there's an opportunity here um but now is the time you can make your decision now so um, and he sort of laid it out and, and said, this is what you can come and do or continue your army career. And mm. I scratched my head at the time and resigned my commission and went back to textiles or so went into textiles. I didn't even go back to it. I went I went and joined the family business I've and been there ever since never looked back. Never looked back. No, never looked <laughs> back. Um, and you know, and it's been it's been challenging. It's it's been fun. It's, it's it's like all businesses. I'm sure you have highs and you have lows. And so long as the highs outweigh the lows, and we're still there and we're still doing okay, um, it's always it's been interesting having having your own business because whatever that business is, you can take it in whichever direction you want to go yep. or where you see the opportunities. Um, and we've we've changed tack once or twice. We're certainly doing different products. We opened another factory, doing doing a little bit of finishing and things. Um, you've got to be imaginative as to how you're going to take the future on, and, and yeah. we've got to continue doing that.
0: That's a fantastic attitude. That's exactly how all UK manufacturers should look at you know look at the future. That's that's brilliant. I love your positive
1: outlook, Lance. Oh, don't get me wrong. It can be tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it, like you say, it's tough running every business. You don't have to run a trade show.
1: <laughs> well, well, and, you know, the grass is always greener when you look at it. You yeah. Think, oh, you know, this, in, in technology or, or IT or, yeah, running a trade show, the grass is always greener and, and our, our business is, is no different. Mm. Um, there are, I don't think there are any easy ways of making money, are there?
0: No. Not unless you're an Instagram influencer. <laughs> a
1: YouTuber. Like
0: all the kids want to be a YouTuber, but like it's not easy. I've well, tried i tried making YouTube it's videos. It's... My YouTube videos are rubbish.
1: There was an interesting <laughs> article that said um, young people that are in school today or starting school today will end up in occupations that haven't even been thought of yet.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I do wonder why schools still carry on talking about kind of careers that they've heard of, like being in the army or being a, Banker or an architect? When don't they say that in five years' time, forty percent of people will be self-employed and will be running their own businesses rather than d- going into traditional corporate jobs?
1: I think that's an age thing, Kate. The world is changing very quickly, but it mm. seems to be—you um, know—we're talking on technology now that that maybe even three or four years ago was was not even conceived that we'd really? be, able to sit, I'd be able to sit at home in my study. And chat to you wherever you are.
0: Oh, I see you're talking about this. I was thought you were talking about weaving as well because you must have seen a lot of changes since you've come into the business in terms of technology.
1: Um, the the basic technology is is the same. The things have got faster. Things have got computer controlled. Um, but as somebody said to me the other day, what we do is is basically the same as was done thousands of years ago. We we just cross spreads at ninety degrees. <laughs> yes yeah i suppose to, yeah. I, I, I did think at the time how rude <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's a very special i it never ceases to amaze me when i do see a proper commercial loom in action about how flipping fast they go and how many threads there are going backwards and forwards
1: yeah so, we're, we're crossing thousands of ends and putting exactly in thousands of, you know and, and and modern looms are inserting you know eight eight six eight 10 picks a second, um, thousands of metres of yarn are being inserted per minute. You know, they are they are astounding a machines.
0: Yeah, and yet people still like the traditional looking old cloth like tweeds, don't they? And, and denim woven on traditional narrow looms. So it's interesting how it's going both ways. You've got the very technical fabrics and then you've also got that, kind of longing for traditional textiles that almost the kind of hand, hand finished and handmade.
1: And and I think you will see that change continue and, and those traditions and, and the natural fibres. Um as as clothing gets a, a bad press, doesn't it, for for plastics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen more people contacting you and buying your textiles and asking specifically about the sustainability of the cloth you're, cloth you're providing or what your eco-credentials are?
1: It, it depends what industry you're selling into. So on the, obviously on the, on the synthetic side, then nobody's asking that at all. But yes, on the cottons and the wools, the, there is certainly more interest being shown in the provenance of the raw material.
0: Yeah. And do you weave with things like organic cotton?
1: We've not done so much organic cotton at this stage, but on some of the wools that we're weaving and some of the woolens, yes, the customers want to be able to trace back and know where, know where it's come from.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in the text, technical textile industry then, when it's going into sort of commercial use for things like the automotive industry, the the environmental impact is of less consideration would you say
1: i'm not sure anybody's really asking the questions because those those raw materials that you're you're synthetic are oil-based aren't they Um, yeah
0: yeah so there's a lot of talk about the sustainability of the fashion industry and all of the fibers that are used that aren't good for the environment but actually a big percentage it's going into the technical textile industry isn't it rather than clothing and fashion yeah. i suppose it's just that people buying unnecessary amounts of clothing made from you know cheap cloth that they're just going to throw away
1: i think that's probably the worst culprit isn't it buying um, you know buying synthetic garments and and this fast fashion that um, the the turnover and what goes to landfill is is is
0: yeah criminal, really, yeah it? yeah whereas technical textiles last a lot longer, I would imagine
1: because well, of the nature of the textiles, fiber it, they're going into things like wind turbines and, mm. uh, and, and and you know your cars and your planes um, and geotextiles and things so yeah, yeah people aren't, aren't asking the questions as to where they end up
0: hmm interesting, food for thought um, food so for what thought. where do you see? um mitchell interflex going or text the textile industry as a whole in your industry for over the next five or
1: ten years um where do i see it going that's a good question um i i can't really see the future we will as, as our small industry our small business we will continue looking for for new things to do new things to weave um and whilst whilst also doing some of the traditional fabrics um, we just have to keep pushing forward. I've always found that you you have to keep driving on to stand still. Um, yeah, we've done a lot of that over the years. Um, and and as we lose products, as products, you know, time to lining has been an example, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, as that as that business fades away, we've got to be looking for the next next product to make.
0: Didn't but, you also but, make um you make striped fabric for deck chairs as well, don't you, or you have done in the past?
1: We did a lot of deck chair fabric. Yeah, so I suppose years. that's
0: another yeah. one of those things that is in less demand.
1: In, in much less demand. Yes, in the heyday, we would have had lots and lots of old shuttle looms all weaving for, if you went and sat on a deck chair anywhere from Bournemouth to the Royal Park to, to Blackpool, um, yes, we would have probably at one point have woven that fabric. The Royal Parks were green and white, but Bournemouth they were blue and yellow. Um, yeah. <laughs> After that we wove um we wove a lot for McLaren baby buggies. Um, the original baby buggy was uh, was based on that same fabric. Um but of course it was a plastic it was a high density polyethylene.
0: Yes, I remember those stripey buggies. Ah, little pushchair things.
1: Yeah, and we yeah. wove we wove a lot of that fabric at one stage. But, of course, things move on, and, and, and you, we, we, in fact, we we did uh, we had a salesman who was working for us, and he went out visiting customers, and he said, uh, he said, they've all heard of you, but they think you weave deck chairs, and I said, we'll have a new <laughs> strap line. Our new strap line will be, we don't do deck chairs, that is, well, we still do a few. So we still weave a little bit of deck chair fabric, but not, not a great deal.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> well, on that note, Lance, um, that is really fantastic. Really great to talk to you um, about your business and about the industry. You're always full of lots of insight and I will um, make sure I spread the word when you next have your weaving group conference or even it will be the dinner this year, won't it, in
1: 2019? We'll have a dinner. Well, it's on Thursday the 10th of October. Same place. It will be in Huddersfield at the Cedar Court. Um You'll be able to book through Eventbrite we will do it again um, because that works for us to allow people to book tickets. Um, it's it's the weaving industry coming together. And, yes, this year there'll just be a dinner in the evening, and then next year we'll have a, a, a one-day conference that we will be – we're starting to look now for interesting people to come and talk and tell us about woven textiles. Brilliant. Or, or, or technology that, uh, that's been developed.
0: Fantastic. Well, I look forward to it. I'm putting that date in the diary now. So anyone in the textile industry can come along to that, can't they? If they're in the woven textile industry, because I think there's still a few mills out there yet to uh, yet to turn up. So we need to spread the word far and wide.
1: We need to get those last few mills. I think we had forty to fifty different mills um, from from you know Devon up to up to Forthar, um, and and Ireland coming across. Um, yeah if you've you've got looms or an interest in weaving um, industrial and commercial weaving um, it's an excuse to stand in a room and talk to people that are in the same trade I think the old parlance would have been networking wouldn't it
0: yeah but I think that's what the the industry needs that's certainly one of my main aims with Make It British is to get the industry back together again
1: And, and keep industry talking
0: yeah exactly right lovely to talk
1: to you Lance thank you very much and I shall see you at your show
0: see you at Make It British Live
1: bye thanks bye now
0: thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally so don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live and if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.